0: The waters of baptism. The waters of baptism we've talked about for the last month. They renew us, they refresh us. They are part of accountability. They are places where if we wade in as deep as the water will allow, we'll find something new, something transformative, something changing. I want to welcome you to Chapelwood United Methodist Church this morning. My name is Peter Camarena, I'm one of the pastors. Uh, I'm glad that you're here this morning. We have a wonderful service uh, with baptism and communion, uh, time to worship and praise God. For now, I uh, want to uh, invite the worship band uh, to lead us in a song.
1: Please join me in the prayer for elimination. Let us pray. As the water splashed across our face, awakens us in the morn. May your word awaken us to your presence, wash us in your wisdom, bathe us in your goodness, refresh us with your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning's scripture comes from John, chapter 21, verses one through 19. Later, Jesus himself appeared again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. They set out in a boat, but throughout the night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore But the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, no. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they did. And there were so many fish that they couldn't haul in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, for he was naked, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they weren't far from shore, only about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter got up and pulled the net to shore. It was full of large fish. 153 of them, yet the net hadn't torn, even with so many fish. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples could bring themselves to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep." He asked a third time, "'Simon, son of John, do you love me?' Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, "'Do you love me?' He replied, "'Lord, you know everything. You know I love you.' Jesus said to him, "'Feed my sheep. I assure you that when you were younger you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and another will tie your belt and lead you where you don't want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it occurs to me
0: how much the world has changed. I, I remember um, when, uh, when Amy was pregnant with Grace, we'd gone to a retreat. Uh, and on that retreat, there were uh, it was a, a women's retreat. Uh, and I was speaking just for one part of the day. We had lunch with the whole group outside at picnic tables. It was a beautiful day, much like today. Um, I I remember because uh, Amy chose not to um, eat, it it was was like deli meat slices uh, that were part of a sandwich. And she said, oh no, I can't have that because the prenatal book says don't eat deli meat because it might have a bacteria that would affect the baby. Now, this is all news to me, but um, she's sitting across from this wise matriarch, you know, the woman who looks as if she has been grandmother to everyone in Brazoria County, and the woman says, I I ate deli meat all throughout all my pregnancies, and none of them were affected. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting more laughter, but that's okay. I can earn the laughter. Give me a chance, right? Um, Have you ever sat back and thought about all the things we did, that if we did them now, CPS would be called or, you know, someone uh, would really, you know, put us on the front page of the news. I remember when I was a kid growing up in the 80s, thinking that the middle seat in the front of the car was the perfect spot because you could choose any of the five radio stations on the preset. I mean, it was cool to go and watch it go and watch it go. Can you identify? The world has changed. I can remember my parents saying that they felt very responsible for encouraging me and requiring me to wear SPF four sunblock. Wow, okay, this all worked at the early service. I'm not sure what's gone wrong. I I remember um, that the the haze of solar cane that I was engulfed in was a healthy way to care for the second degree burns that I received when wearing SPF4. You see how it builds, right? Oh, wow. Okay. We'll get to the scripture exegesis real quick now, because apparently this isn't working. Um, I remember getting excited when someone would show up at the 4th of July family reunion with a a pickup truck, because I knew we were going to get to ride in the back of the pickup truck. We don't do that anymore, right? And I watched the commercials. I think, Nerf? Smurf! You know, use Nerf things in um, backyard brawls with your friends in grade school. Back in those days, cap guns and BB guns were the cool way to shoot your eye out, right? <laughs> the world has changed. The world has changed. I remember when my sister turned 10, she was all of a sudden credentialed to be a babysitter. In our neighborhood, if you could dial 911, you were good. These days, I'm, I, I think you have to be 18 and get an associate's degree from Brazosport College. I mean, there's all those requirements for babysitting. The world has changed, but it feels like sometimes we don't change. We know that Jesus doesn't change, and we know that the gospel message doesn't change, but the world seems to change right underneath our feet in the midst of life. Our focus today is this realization that baptism isn't an endpoint, but rather a beginning. That baptism isn't graduation for disciples, but rather an empowerment for doing more in the spirit. That baptism is not uh, that period at the end of the sentence, but rather it is that invitation to something more. The disciples were in that place of needing something more. Uh, in the Gospel of John, right, if you remember your uh, kind of uh, Bible study skills, Mark is considered the earliest uh, gospel written within about uh, 10 years or so of the resurrection. Uh, you get Matthew and Luke uh, that are somewhere a little bit longer, but not too far, maybe 20 or 25 years. And then you get, you get John. Um, and John, some scholars say, could be as much as 90 or 120 years after the... Um, uh, resurrection. And so John's talking about uh, the teachings of Jesus and the memories that he has as he thinks about the future church. And so uh, the disciples, after th- having three times of having a resurrection experience of Jesus, this is the third one. Now I wonder, getting into the mindset of the disciples, uh, right, right? You've spent three years with this fabulous teacher mentor and friend, however you wanna describe Jesus' experience uh, with uh, the disciples, that they have traveled together, they have eaten together, they have watched Jesus feed the 5,000, they have watched uh, people care so deeply about their friend that they dig through the roof to lower their paraplegic friend to the presence of Jesus and then watch that person take up their mat and walk, having been healed. They have watched Jesus stand toe-to-toe with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in, in uh, debating about um, whether, who is uh, guilty of what sin. Remember the woman caught in adultery? And, and Jesus writes in the sand and they all disappear. I mean, this is three years of just intense, amazing experiences with Jesus. And then they watched him walk to the cross and die. And then they saw him be resurrected. They've watched the uh, ascension, if we want to uh, borrow from Matthew and Luke. Uh, They have experienced so much. And now it's all over. And so they go back to the things they know how to do. Most of the disciples prior to Jesus's ministry were fishermen, professional fishermen, not fishermen, but fishermen, right? It was a net to catch everyone, not a special lure to pull the prize out of the pack, And so the disciples, they decide to go fishing and they get in the boat and they spend the whole night out fishing and they have fished and fished and fished. And then uh, they're about, uh, I think it says a hundred yards offshore. Uh, And they turn back in the morning and they see Jesus is there on the shore. And he says, "Hey, Hey, have you caught anything? I love that. Not that I um, favor myself as Jesus at all, but I I have those moments when, as a pastor, something breaks at the church, and and the trustees show up, and and the the air conditioning isn't working, and I say, hey, have you thought about pushing that button? And they all look at me like, really? (laughs) You're the preacher. You, You can do exegesis on Greek words, but leave the heavy stuff to us. I wonder if that was kind of how the feel was in the boat. When they look at the shore and Jesus says, hey, have you caught anything? Why don't you put your nets on the other side of the boat? Really, did he just tell us to put? Does he know that the ocean is all, the water is all underneath the boat and the, the fish can go from this side of the boat to that side. Did he really? I remember one church um, is actually out in Brazoria when I started my doctoral work in psychotherapy and pastoral counseling. I asked them, would you help fund some of my doctorate? And they said, yes, but we'd pay for all of it if it were an HVAC certification. Did you you get the joke there? Wow, I'm doing no more humor for the rest of the sermon. So Jesus says, put your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, remember, this isn't this kind of other side of the boat, but it's, all right, guys, start pulling them in and put them over here. And what happens? Where they could not catch fish on one side, the nets are almost bursting. So, and, and then bursting—that's not just a nice little uh, textual addition, narratively by John. But this is their livelihood. The nets are important. If a fisherman's not out fishing, they're tending their nets. The nets need not break. And then uh, John sees Jesus on the floor and uh, on the shore and says it's Jesus. And Peter, now we only have so much time because it's the Super Bowl, but you read with me that Peter put on his coat because he was naked and swam in shore. I want to think that there's a Greek problem here, and it wasn't coat like winter coat, but rather jacket as in life jacket. We'll go with that one, right? Anyway, so Peter swims in. And I think the heart of the matter in this passage is that Peter has not had a chance to reconcile with Jesus. The last words he heard from Jesus were on the, uh, when the uh, rooster crows three times, you'll have denied me three times. And Peter says, oh no, Lord, not me. In the same way he said, oh no, Lord, not you to the cross. And and, and, oh no, Lord, let's stay here and build a booth on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, Peter is known for saying, oh no, Lord. But Jesus was right. And so in the middle of the temple courtyard, uh, in the hours of Jesus's trial and persecution, the rooster crows three times in the beginning of the morning and and Peter has denied Jesus those three times. So this is a reconciliation opportunity. And so Jesus says, um, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And, and Jesus says again, uh, almost like you'd ask um, the, the Greek, um, the commentaries that talk about the Greek say that Jesus asks the question, assuming a negative, right? I, I don't know how that works in Greek, but just trust me, right? So it's, it's kind of like, um, did you make your bed? No, no, did, did you make your bet, right? Does that, that might work, right? Those of you who have um, teenagers and, and young adults that are still living at home, right? D- did you? And Peter says with a little bit of anger, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then lastly, he says, follow me. I think some of the conversation around baptism not being an end point and instead of being a beginning is, are we willing to let people tell us uh, that that there's another way? You you know, we we get really good at the seven last words of the church saying that we've never done it that way. We've been around, right? The ideal pastor is one who's 30 years old with 30 years of experience. We're, we're, We're just not so sure it's time to do something different, Sometimes it's a matter of, you know, when someone stands up to speak about a new direction that we should go in and addressing a new world, it's easy to say, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Because that's where Jesus came from. You know, when we start treating baptism not as an endpoint, but a beginning, it it means being open to the idea that maybe the other side of the boat will work better, that maybe there's something different. Now, part of the text talks about uh, Jesus says to Peter, um, when you're young, you can put your own belt on and go where you wanted to go. But when you're old, um, you will stretch out your arms and someone else will put your boat on and car- uh, boat belt on and direct you where you do not want to go. This is not a conversation about uh, uh, Alzheimer's or uh, aging or dementia. This is particular information about how Peter is going to uh, die. Peter is going to go to Rome, lead the church in Rome, and being the epicenter of the empire, uh, the church will grow quickly. And uh, in some ways, we, we still refer to Peter's leadership in Rome by talking about the, the Pope, right? Because uh, the Pope is uh, you know, um, sits uh, uh, in Peter's spot, right? Uh, leading the church in Rome. So when the persecutions come for Peter and for the church in Rome, um, Peter knows uh, that he's headed down the road of crucifixion. It's where he doesn't want to go. And once he gets there, he at least has one opportunity uh, to kind of assert himself in the process. And he says, if I'm going to be crucified, turn me upside down so that no one will mistake what happens to me versus what happened to Jesus. Now, it's easy to say, oh, wait, preacher, Do you mean baptism is the beginning of persecution? Do you mean baptism is the beginning of martyrdom? Do we need to go someplace where they shoot Christians and say, hey, hey, it's me? I don't think so. I think that there is beauty in a phrase that uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, who's a horrible atheist philosopher, but um, coined a wonderful phrase, a long obedience in the same direction. That there's, there's beauty in having baptism be the beginning of a long obedience in the same direction. Where we begin to live a life in the presence of a, of a culture that doesn't care, but our life will honor the Bible. I, I know it's, it's easy to say, um, you know, what are the small things? Why does it matter? Why do we need to, to keep swimming in the midst of the story? You, preacher, doesn't really matter Uh, whether I come to church or not. I can listen to the podcast online. Keep swimming, it does matter. Feed Jesus's sheep. Well, you know, membership doesn't matter much, it's just something on a piece of paper, and we can change that pretty quick. Keep swimming, feed my sheep. Well, you know, reading scripture or going to Sunday school, you know, the preacher says the same thing every Sunday and the Sunday school teacher says the same thing every Sunday. Does it really matter? Keep swimming. Feed Jesus's sheep. See, the world may change, but the gospel message doesn't. The world may change, but the church is called to the same uh, mission. The world may change, but we're still called to keep swimming That baptism isn't an end point, but a beginning. And the only way others around us know how to keep swimming is because of great saints who keep a long obedience in the same direction of small, purposeful, intentional self-sacrifices that lead to a new world, that lead to a church, that lead to a place of high expectations and clear calling. So baptism, Not an ending, but a beginning. I I love the idea that once we've checked the box, we're not done. I mean, there's a family that um, long time ago, um, she went to the preschool uh, here at Chapelwood just a few months ago, showed up in the pews with her family and just a few weeks ago, joined the church. It'd be easy to say, Hey, you went to the Christian preschool. You got it. No need to come back. But today, we baptize two of our children. You see, baptism isn't an end point. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what we might do when we partner with God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take our next step in our faith journey with Christ. Would you believe that a next step could be as simple as attending a tailgate for Super Bowl? It's possible. Uh, they're out there right now. They're um, uh, getting ready. There'll be a cook-off. Um, uh, ribs, brisket, chicken, and a side dish uh, will be judged at 3 o'clock by James Soga Sr., uh, uh, Bernice Spell, a- and myself. It looks like I, am, I have the credentials uh, to judge a cook-off. <laughs> But to be honest, I never have. So I'm leaning on Bernice, because we all know she's the, uh, the closet expert. All right. Uh, also, next steps could be um, as easy um, as uh, considering UM uh, Army. Uh, we'll have a more fuller UM uh, Army announcement. Uh, it, there it is. Um, you know, the, the, the dates are June 12th through the 18th. If you'd like to talk to LM or to Lonnie Rathman, uh we'd love for you to raise a generation in faith uh, by working together uh, with our youth uh, to make a difference in people's uh, lives. If you'll go back to the Ash Wednesday, I'll do that one too. Uh, Also, your next step could be as easy as fully enjoying Mardi Gras, and then coming up uh, here on uh, Wednesday at seven o'clock for a joint service with FUMC uh, Lake Jackson for Ash Wednesday. Um, Next steps don't have to be eating the whole elephant. Next steps could just be that, taking a next step. If today's next step for you is to join this congregation, we'd love for you to come down during our closing hymn. Our closing hymn is Lord, You Give the Great Commission. We'll be singing verses one, two, and five. David Hill will lead us. I wanna point you over to this side. Uh, Ken Sleese is one of our Stephen ministers. There are other Stephen ministers as well. They uh, usually act through the service or right here if you'd like someone to pray with you uh, or to talk with or to arrange care for someone you love or yourself. Ken is more than qualified to do that this morning. I also want to make sure uh, that you know that um, uh, Hunter and Ruth Helton are there in the back row. Um, They are uh, missionaries uh, serving in a school in England uh, for a boarding school for missionary kiddos. Uh, And so if you want to ask questions of them, they'd love to tell more about their story. They did a wonderful job uh, during uh, the grow hour in the fellowship hall. But for now, why don't we grab a hand next to you for our closing benediction? All right, let's pray. Almighty God, we give thanks that baptism is not an ending, but a beginning. And the beginning is an opportunity to keep swimming in small and beautiful ways to serve you right where we are. And so Lord, help us to feed your sheep, to love you, and to follow you. All this we ask in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen.